will, as we get ready to just share the word this morning, if you've got your Bible in whatever format, you can go to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And as we talk about um, the resurrection this morning, uh, I'm just going to uh, kind of lay the roadmap for the balance of our time together. If you'll notice, we have our baptismal set up, so we're going to do some baptisms uh, at the end of the service this morning. So I invite you, if you've never been water baptized, today is a great day. Don't worry about being wet. Uh, we'll give you a towel. Uh, it's good to get drippy with Jesus. Amen. So it'd be... Um, It'd be good, but if you'd like to be baptized, we'd love to do that. We've got a, uh, a number of our young people that are going to be baptized this morning, so we're excited about that. What a, what a great way to celebrate the resurrection, but by the symbol of the resurrection. So I'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But this morning, just really had it in my heart and mind as I got up today. Uh, just want to read through the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It is the chapter that teaches us the most about the resurrection. But before we get into it, just to lay, lay down a framework, as we all know, we've been walking through this Easter week all together. And as you follow Jesus, you need to follow with him in this and stop at the places. And if you've um, ever heard me for a while, some of those that have been with us for a number of years, um, please hear what I'm about to say. We we make a lot about the cross, and we should. But do you understand the cross isn't what actually saved you? I don't know if that's a new thought for you. Jesus' death on the cross forgave us and paid the price of our sin. And it removed what separated us from God. But it is the belief in his resurrection that actually saves you and I. Right. And that's why, you know, if you read through the, the book of Acts, Paul is at a place called Mars Hill and he's talking and he's debating with people who haven't heard the message of Jesus. And they're tracking with him real good until he talks of the resurrection. And at the resurrection, they all threw up their hands and said, oh, that's crazy because <laughs> ain't nobody risen up from the dead. Right. Guys, listen to me. It's our faith and belief in the resurrection that saves us. Right. It's because it was what Jesus did in his resurrection that brought the fullness of our salvation to being. Amen. So does that make sense? So please hear me. You you should walk with him. That's why I love that song we sang this morning. If he left the grave behind him, then so will I. So I, I say this all the time. We follow Jesus. We follow him in his life. And then we stop with him at the cross and we soak in what he did at the cross. But then we leave the cross and go to the empty tomb. And we rejoice and believe and celebrate in all the empty tomb is. But where is Jesus today? He is seated at the right hand of God. And so we go with him then there. So remember, when we talk about following Christ, it's not just how we live in this life. It includes that. But following Jesus is as I'm following him. Okay, Jesus, I go with you to the cross. And at the cross, you died as me. Now I follow you to the empty grave. And, and at the empty grave, you rose again from the dead as me. But now I also follow you to heaven itself. Because Paul tells us that we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
So we actually follow him all the way to where he is. And our reality today, what gives us the ability to live the life of Christ today is that he's seated at the right hand of God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. Some of y'all look like that's a new thought for you. Amen. Kind of look at, but the power of that thought is, is truly astounding. Is that you, it's this weird, I, I don't even know if I know how to explain it well. That, that Jesus and I are sharing space right now, just like you are. I am with him by the Holy Spirit in heaven with him right now. And he by the Spirit is with me right now here on the earth. And now heaven and earth are connected together through the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. And the reason why I say that is, is that's the reason why we as Christ followers say, yeah, we don't, um, we may have struggles in life, but I don't struggle with life. I know I lost some of you right there. Y'all looking at me all funny. Amen. But this reality is what sets us free. Y'all have heard me use this analogy before. What would... Again, I grew up here with you guys. How many of you like wrestling? Not wrestling, but wrestling. Come on, Delane. Anybody a wrestler? WWF? Anybody wrestling fans? Right? I was always like the tag team wrestling stuff. Right? When you had the two teams, they would do that. What if God himself was your tag team partner in life? What would that look like? A whole bunch of high fives on Penny's side. How many of you be like me? You just tag God and let him get in the ring and just keep him right there. Right? Do you realize that that's what you have in life? Because you are seated with him in heavenly places. You are dwelling forever permanently with him at a place of authority and power and dominion. Right? Where truly you have no need to fear anything, worry about anything, have dread over anything, because you are united with God. Praise God. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15. Now I'm just going to read through this. We'll highlight some stuff. I'm going to try to, you didn't have to help me find that because I can't talk with one hand. It's, uh, I'm limited. If I take this down, can y'all hear me okay? Yes. Oh, I'll do much better. Thank you. They, they want me to be chained to the lollipop. <laughs> no, I'm good. I wouldn't care for the stand at all. I don't like it. No, the reason, I, if y'all know me, I, I don't like things between me and you. I don't like stands and pulpits. I don't like tables. I don't like nothing because for too long in the church, it is psychologically a symbol of I'm better than you are. That's why I don't preach there. That's why I preach here. Because you have to understand that we are one together in Christ, right? And that there's nothing special about me, right? And there's nothing magical about me. I'm just endeavoring with all of my heart to do what God has put inside of me to do. And we're going to read, and the reason why that is, is for the resurrection. It ends this chapter. But let's start. Have you ever wondered what the Apostle Paul preached? Have you ever wondered what his messages sounded like? Amen. Good job, Emma. Me too. It's, it's this, here's Paul's notes. If you ever wondered what Paul's sermon looked like, I'm about to read you his notes. Verse 1, he says, Moreover, brothers, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, and in which you stand, by which you also were saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
Because don't believed in vain means we didn't give ourselves fully to it. Right? We didn't fully believe that it was true. In some way, we, we said, okay, well, a part of this applies, but not all of it applies. Right? So it says in, in verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all, so here's Paul's first point, he went everywhere preaching, first of all, I told you that Christ died for your sins. Hallelujah. Yes, amen. 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 Do you know he died for all of your sins? All right, so how forgiven are you? How complete is that? 100%. What part did he leave out? What, what, what sin did he leave unforgiven that you got to make sure it's right before you die? Naring the one, as we'd say now, naring. Praise God. Believing in vain would be there's some sin I still have yet to pay for. Believing in vain would mean he didn't fully save me. Somehow I am still chained and bound to my sinfulness. Paul established his very first point he always said was, is you have to know the only way God could free you from your sin is he had to free you from your sin. That's right. I love that. <laughs> That's the only way he could do it. So he went ahead and just 100% eternally, forever, took your sin away, yes. will you believe him and trust in that? Amen. 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 But he goes on. He says in verse 4, and that he was buried. That was one of Paul's points, that we took his body, we put him in the ground. But notice point 3 says, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Praise God. So Jesus died for your sin. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. And as you're going to see here as we read the balance of this chapter, and for the rest of the chapter, Paul preached about the resurrection. Guys, I've often wondered if we, we need to preach more about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just on Easter Sunday. Amen. Because it's the resurrection is the power of God. The resurrection is what saved us. The resurrection is what guaranteed what happened at the cross. Amen. It says, but he died and he rose again from the third day according to the scriptures. And then Paul goes on to say, and he was seen by Peter or Cephas. Then he was seen by the 12. And then he was seen, I love this one in verse 6. Then he was seen by over 500 brothers all at one time. The greater of which are still alive right now as I write this letter to you. So Paul is laying a testimony that this resurrection is factual. It's not fictitious. He's giving us eyewitnesses that Peter saw it. The other 12 saw it, right? He says there were 500 other Christians that when Paul wrote Corinthians, he said those, some of these people that saw Jesus, they're still alive as I write this letter to you. So Paul is telling us this is not just a spiritual thing. It's not a, again, it's not a fiction thing. It's not something they invented because that's what the skeptics even still today say, that they invented the resurrection, right? Paul said, no, he truly rose again. We have eyewitness testimony. He says in verse seven, after that, he was seen by James. Then he was seen by all the other apostles. And he says, and then last of all, he was seen by me. 
as one who was born outside of time, meaning Paul believed he was born about a half step out of time. He actually says, I should have been born enough to have been one of the 12, but I was born just a little late, so I had to catch up. Right, but Paul is talking all through there through testimony, 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 testimony. How many of you know, would you believe something if all of us here gave testimony to it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then we can trust the resurrection. Yes. Because it's not Christian history only, it's testimony. Yeah. Right? It, people saw it and they based their lives on it. It says, for I am the least of the apostles and I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but it was the grace of God which was in me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Mm -hmm. Amen. Now, if Christ is preached, look at verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? As you know, that that's still a question that's going out there today. People still say there is no such thing as the resurrection from the dead. Mm-hmm. And Paul begins to talk to us about this. He says, well, if there is not a resurrection from the dead, then how is it that we preach this? He goes on to say, because if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching to you is empty and your faith is, what does it say? Also empty. So Paul begins to say, hey, listen, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then everything we say is empty and everything you believe is empty. And he hinges our whole faith on the resurrection. Amen. How many believe Jesus rose again from the dead? How many believe that he is alive and well today? Hallelujah. Amen. Then your faith is not empty. Your faith is not vain. That means that when you trust him for healing, you can trust him because he's alive. Praise God. When you trust him for whatever it is you're trusting him for, you have confidence because he is not some person who is buried and still there in the ground, but he rose as a security and a guarantee for your faith. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. Amen. If y'all help me just a little bit, we'll, we'll preach better. <laughs> Amen. Do you understand? Listen to me. The reason why today you don't have to worry about variants of the coronavirus is because Jesus is alive. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You don't have to worry about who gets in office because Jesus is alive. Yeah. Yes. Praise God. You don't have to worry about stock markets. Right? Grocery stores going dry. Amen. Grocery stores closing on Easter for the first time and I don't know how long. I know I was shocked. I was trying to go get goodies for this morning and I went to every grocery store and I'm like going, everybody's closed. I was kind of upset and all happy all at the same time. I'm thinking, praise God, we're finally closing for Easter, but I need donuts. Right? <laughs> hey, listen, you don't have to worry about anything because... Jesus is alive. That's right. That's right. Praise God. Yes. You don't have to. Amen. Amen. Truly not a care in the world because yes. Jesus is right. alive. 
Amen. Yeah. Amen. Ultimately, and the big thing is, you understand, you never have to fear death. Because Jesus is alive. Imagine what you could do with a group of people who weren't afraid to die. Who had no fear of death. You couldn't make them afraid about anything. Guys, listen, that group of people exists. It's us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Where do I leave y'all hanging? Amen. Verse 14. Then if Christ is risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found to be false witnesses. Or in Alabama, we'd say good old liars. Right? Because we testified that God had raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not raise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. I've always, that's interesting. He says, hey, listen, if, if, if we don't have a resurrection of Jesus, then we're still bound to our sin. But the converse of that is also equally as true. But because Jesus is risen, you are not bound to your sin. Hallelujah. Praise God. You are 100% sin free. Because he's alive. Amen. Does that make sense? You understand that you can live from this day forward for the rest of your life on this planet and never have to sin ever again. How many of you, that's an odd thought. How many of you, you've not ever heard that before? Anybody? You thought you always struggle with sin. Guys, listen, you, he is alive. You are free from your sin. Praise God. Amen. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they have perished. So if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, then our loved ones who believed in him ahead of us, they are doomed if Jesus isn't risen. Hey, listen, because Jesus is risen, you will see them again. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Delane, hallelujah. You'll see your daddy again. Amen. Yes. Amen. You'll see your mama again. Amen. Praise God. Because he is alive, yes. they Amen. too are alive. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's why we, again, that's why we never have to, I know, please hear me. I know there is grief when people pass. There always will be. But there's also joy Amen. for us that believe. Amen. Because it's not the end. Amen. We will be together again. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It says, for if in this life only we have hope in Jesus, then we are of all men the most pitiable. Praise God. But we're not the most pitiable. Let's keep reading because we normally stop there. But now Christ is risen from the dead. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I love this, guys. Listen, how many of you have had a loved one die? Yeah, someone that's passed away. We all can raise our hands, probably. Do you understand that Jesus is the first fruits of those who have passed? What he means by that, he is the first human being to be risen from the dead like he was, but he's just the first of many. 
Amen. Your loved ones will rise again. Amen. Amen. Yes. And we're going to keep re- reading this. this. Again, hopefully I'll get y'all as excited as I got it this morning. Yes. Amen. For since by man came death, then by man, meaning Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all will die, even so in Christ all will be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ who was the first fruit, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father and when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign, now that he must reign there, that's Jesus. So now Jesus must reign until he, talking about God the Father, has put all things, all enemies under his, Jesus' feet. Right? And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Praise God. You know, I like the analogy of death. You know, wherever we get for Anybody ever grew up and there was bullies? Right? And you know, bullies kind of, they run in, they're like wolves, right? They kind of run in packs. Right? And there's always like the alpha bully. Right, and then he's got his little minions. But then there's always the dweeby bully. You know the dweeby bully? He's somehow the dweeby guy that gets sucked into the bully crowd. But he's the little dweeby bully. Right? Death is the dweeby bully. (laughs) Right? Jesus handled all the other bullies. He took care of sin. He took care of sickness. He took care of poverty. Right? He took care of separation from God. The things that bullied us, Jesus defeated in his death, burial, and resurrection. The only enemy left is the dweeby bully of physical death. And Jesus just says, hey, we'll we'll clean up the playground with him at the end. (laughs) Right? We'll take care of, don't worry about him. He's just the dweeby bully. Mm. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. The only enemy left to us is the dweeby little bully. That's awesome. Oh, come on, y'all. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Because again, guys, listen to me. The reason why I say that is, is now more than ever, now more than ever, we as Christ followers need to shake ourselves because yeah. we, have, we have taken up the fears of the world. Yes, we have. And we're just as scared as everybody else. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying we're unkind, mm-hmm. nor am I saying we're unwise. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it's stop, time to stop being fearful. Yes, it ought not to be so. Amen. Yeah. It stops time to be afraid. Of all kinds of stuff. Yes. And to shake ourselves yeah. and stand up yeah. as who we actually are, mm-hmm. Christ himself. You know, the kids and I were, were watching that. Y'all seen that new movie, Midway, the new World War II movie? The new Midway version. It's awesome. If you haven't seen it, it's really worth, worth seeing. But we watched the Midway. But one of my favorite lines from that time period of history was made by the, gym, uh, the admiral of the Japanese called Yamamoto. And it says, after Pearl Harbor, one of his aides came and said, so what do you think about the attack? And he says, I'm afraid we have awakened a sleeping giant who now has all the determination of the world. Yes. Right? And that was it. Guys, listen to me. The church, for too long, we've been the sleeping giant. Mm-hmm. Wake up. We have been the sleeping giant. Yeah. Right? And it's time to stir ourselves up and wake ourselves up and rise to our full stature with determination, with determination because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. 
Amen. Because we are the people who can literally stare death in the eye and laugh. <laughs> Amen. Does that make sense? And to look sickness in the eye and not be afraid. Come on now. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Kurt. Sure. Some of us are still stuck on the sin part. Uh-huh. I know. I know. That Thank you for being brave enough to say so. That even though we believe in Jesus Christ, we still don't believe that we're still living without sin. Absolutely. Yes. And so, to really, honestly, there has to be a transformation. Yes. Before you can honestly believe that you're living without sin. Absolutely. Before that you have to be changed. Yes. So you, I mean, I hate to call myself out, but sometimes I still believe I don't live without sin. I still think I'm sinful every day, even though I believe in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Well, we were trained that way. We were trained to believe that you'll always struggle with sin. We were taught that ever since we were small through traditional church world. Right. We have been trained. And that's why Paul is the very first thing he had to conquer in people. It's still the very first thing we have to conquer in people. Right. Huh? It's a choice. Well, some of it, let let me go and and we may not finish this. It's very good, Kurt. Thank you. Go to Colossians real quick. And everybody say, Brad, slow down. Thank you. I appreciate that. Y'all, I know we got guests. This is just how we roll. You can talk to me. Okay. (laughs) Right. You are not interrupting me. You are not bothering me. This is why we have church. Amen. You can raise your hand, ask a question. You can raise your hand and cuss and yell and scream. And that's all good. <laughs> Amen. I give you free permission. Yes, ma'am. Even Paul, you know, talked about that, which I would not that do. But he didn't think that his point was not to leave it there. Yeah. It's like there's still sin in the world. We're not in a perfect world. Yet. No, no, the world is not sin free. Just you are. sand and this mud and this yuck all around us. That's right. Well, even when Paul said that, and, and tell me your name one more time. I'm sorry. Rhonda. Rhonda that's right. I almost said Sarah, but I knew that was wrong. And so, uh, but, um, but like what you said, that's right, Rhonda. But here, here's the thing. When Paul is speaking there in Romans chapter seven, he was talking about himself when he was trying to make himself right with God under the law. When he was trying to be the good Pharisee, or we might say it like this, he was trying to be the good Christian and do all the right stuff. He said, the thing I wanted to do, I didn't do. And the thing I didn't want to do, that's the thing I did. Anytime I try to make myself right with God, I will fall into that trap. Yes, you're not living in the reality of... Sure. That's right. Well, even on this, even, even you haven't moved. If I can get, I, my heart's desire would be to convince every one of you that listened to me this morning, if you have believed in Jesus Christ, if you've truly put your faith in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, then you are 100% sin free. That is the truth and the reality of who you actually are because of Jesus. Otherwise, if he didn't do that, then his sacrifice and his resurrection weren't sufficient. And if his sacrifice and his resurrection weren't sufficient, there is no hope for us in hell. Because there is not another who can die for us. 
So when Jesus liberated you, he liberated you completely. That's the only way he could do it. The only way he could set you free from your sin is he had to set you free from your sin. But many times what happens is, is we live, we all are from the South and we understand this. We live as spiritual sharecroppers on the devil's plantation. You remember the Civil War? You remember Reconstruction? Right? Lincoln declared the Emancipation Proclamation and freed our African-American brethren. And for so long, they lived as sharecroppers, never left their plantations, never left their homes, stayed and worked the same fields for the same poor treatment and bad wages, free and still slaves. So many times what we've done in the church is we've created spiritual sharecroppers. Jesus declared emancipation from slavery of sin by his grace. And he liberated us, totally freed us. And the devil is doing all he can to keep us on his plantation, hoeing the same fields. So I reckon we we keep having Jesus die on the cross over and over again every day. Every day. Die on the cross for us over and over and over. That's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) And we don't live in the reality of I am saved. I am free. Sin no longer has, as Paul said it in those same times, Ms. Rhonda, you said you have to back up to verses or chapters 5, 6, and 7, then into 8. In 5 and 6, Paul repeats himself. He says, remember, you are freed from your sin. You're no longer a slave to it. Because you are freed from your sin, no longer let it dominate you. Because you are freed from your sin, no longer present yourself to sin as a slave to obey sin. You now can present yourself to righteousness as a slave to obey righteousness. Isn't that a neat thought? We never preached that side of the equation before. Because many times we sit there and say, "I, I messed up, I couldn't help it. Right? We were like Britney Spears, right? We, oops, I did it again. <laughs> right? But you have to understand that we are now on a spiritual sense like Britney Spears. Oops, I did righteousness again. Just as much as I was a slave of sin and found myself bound to obey sin without choice, now because of Christ, I am bound to obey righteousness. I'm free from that. That's exactly right. I want you to think about it like this. I told you to go to Colossians, right? This is all right. I know that I knew new people here, and they might be like, this guy's crazy. This doesn't, doesn't sound like any church I've gone to. But Colossians chapter 2. And guys, again, I've gotten lots of persecution for what I'm telling you. It's just true. Amen. So brace yourself. You go around telling people they're free from their sin. I'm not talking about, now the unsaved world, they will hug your neck, right? The church world will punch you in the nose. It's exactly what will happen, right? And so, so you, need, you need to understand that. The, 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 the worst of our society out there, they've never heard this. That's why they don't come to church anymore, right? The church world, they'll come, they will fight you to hang on to their sin, Delaney. They will, I mean, t- I've never seen, I'm like, you're, you're literally, I've had to stop brothers in the Lord. You're fighting me to keep your sin. You know that, don't you? Yeah. And they look at me. I never thought of it like that. That's what you're doing. Yeah. You're fighting me to hang on to your sin. I, I do not understand this. Right? <laughs> All right, anyway, Colossians chapter two. Paul does, um, well, let's back up a little bit. 
Let's read into it a bit. I'm going to start in verse 1, and we're going to get down to about verse 11 or 12. It says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those that are in Laodicea, for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both from the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." Now this I say, lest anyone should uh, deceive you with persuasive words. Now remember, Paul's writing to believers and says, believers have been deceived by persuasive words. All right, where did that go? Persuasive words, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Everybody say, so walk in him. So how sinful is Jesus? <laughs> right? Paul just said, so walk in Jesus, right? Now that word walk means live in Jesus. Just conduct your life in Jesus. So tell me, what kind of sin is Jesus doing? Zero. So then the instruction to walk in him is to live in zero sin. Now, I agree with what Rhonda says. A believer can go out. We can do what we want to. You can be a dummy. Right? Right? He'll let you do it. He'll, yeah, but he can't stop you. Now, he'll, he'll walk. I mean, the crazy part is, is he'll be right there with you in the middle of your sin and then going, really? 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 You're doing that right now? Really? Let me know when you're done. No, he he'll just, he'll, I have found the Holy Spirit just loves to aggravate you when you're sinning. He just, he, he just loves to spend it. Really, I'm standing, I'm right here. Uh, you know, I'm right here. I'm just right here. He's not even subtle. I don't, I mean, at least not with me. I mean, he just, he just, he just keeps poking me, right? Really, son, really, really, you're, you're better than this. You, come on. This is not who you are. Are you with me? Come on. Amen. He says, so walk in him. Right again, I can say like, how much sickness is in Jesus. So then does, does he want you to have sickness? It's somehow going to make you more like him? <laughs> does that make sense? All right. All some of you right there too. Amen. It says here, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, notice verse 8, he says, now, beware. And we talked about this a little bit, I think, on Thursday. This is that word that Paul uses, used about three or four times in the Greek language in the New Testament. It's a military word. It's the word used when they tell a sentry to stand guard over something, over a city, over, over a high-security area. They say, stand guard, keep your eyes open, right? We'd say in Alabama, keep your eyes peeled, Right, you ever old Roscoe Pickle train? Keep your eyes, or, or, or what was that guy from Festus from Gunsmoke? I'll keep my eye peeled, Marshall. Right, <laughs> right. I never understood what that meant, but it means look real close. Right. He says, "Beware, lest anyone cheat you." Anybody ever been cheated before? Yes. Ever been cheated out of something? Somebody deceived you, and you were trying to make a deal, and they pulled a fast one on you, and they cheated you out. Right here, Paul says, hey, be careful. Don't let anyone cheat you 
Now notice this, through philosophy, empty deceit, traditions of men, are principles of the world. Four ways Paul says, this is how people will try to cheat you from what you have in Jesus. They will try to get you to make an exchange for the hidden treasure of heaven that's inside of you. So in our analogy, they're going to try to cheat you, Kurt, out of being sin free. And many times we do it through the traditions of men in the church. We do it through empty deceit or through philosophies. And they're trying to cheat you from your righteousness. Right? I got notes in here. You preached this years ago. They're trying to cut your hair like Delilah did Samson. Right? And that's the whole story of Samson and Delilah. His hair was a sign of his covenant and his connection to God. Right? And she's trying to shear your hair and take your strength through the traditions of men. Don't let nobody cut your hair. Right? Don't let nobody cut your hair and take your strength from you. Right? For in him, verse 9, dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now notice this. In verse 11, in him, in Jesus, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Anybody ever had a little boy? Any dads of boys? I got two boys. I know, I know y'all better talk to me. I'm as well. Okay, good. Anybody? How many of you circumcised your boys? Right? I did. I circumcised both of mine. Fastest $800 I've ever spent in my entire life. Amen. $400 a pop. Took them to Dr. Pollock in Canada. He had this neat little thing. Do, do, do. 30 seconds later, $400. I got a circumcised baby. Right? Now, I found it interesting that when, and now let me ask this because I do have to ask this. Anybody know what circumcision is? Yes. Anybody not know what circumcision is? Please don't, yeah, and that's okay. Please let me know for real because this will make no sense if you don't understand what that is. Okay, so, and I'm sorry parents, we should teach these things to our children and we do this. So this way, so when little babies are born, little boy babies are born, they have a little piece of skin on the end of their penis called a foreskin, Right? And that gets removed off. God chose to make it the symbol. Now notice, to make it the symbol of righteousness. Who was the first man God asked to be circumcised? Abraham. Abraham is the father of? No, he's the father spiritually of faith, of righteousness, right? So do you understand? So here's, here's the analogy. Abraham is the father uh, have you ever heard this good church phrase, uh, the blessing of Abraham, yeah. right? Uh, how many of you have heard the blessing of Abraham was tied to all of Abraham's money and his stuff? Anybody ever heard that teaching before that it's the blessing of Abraham because he was a rich guy? Come on now, be, just talk to me. Okay, so some have, so good. Those that haven't, throw that clean right out the window, all right? It's not that it's incorrect, it's just gigantically incomplete, Right? Abraham was wealthy and he was prosperous because of God. But the blessing, the true blessing of Abraham is that he was righteous with God without a law. Yes. Wow. He was the father of faith alone and God alone through what God did and he had no part in it. Does that make sense? So the blessing of Abraham is he was right with God based on God. 
not based on him. That's why Abraham could lie on his wife twice over, <laughs> sell her up the river to two separate men. God come down to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, and say, I'm going to wipe all of y'all out because you're, you're there with Abraham's wife. And, and Abimelech is like, I didn't know. He lied. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? He was right with God with no law. He was right with God based on God. That's why it says we also are sons of Abraham. And because Jesus hung on a tree, the blessing of Abraham comes upon the righteous because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Blessed are we. So the blessing of Abraham that you have is the same. You are right with God based on God. Not based on your performance. Yes. That is the blessing of Abraham. Yes. That's why God chose circumcision as the symbol of righteousness. Because he was making a very point that we would all get. Yeah. Right? Now back to Dr. Pollock's office. Right? <laughs> Caleb, my firstborn son, gets circumcised. I noticed something very interesting. Dr. Pollock never offered, hey, you want to take this home with you? Right? When they cut the foreskin off, he didn't say, hey, you, you want to put that in a little vial and put it up on the mantelpiece so you can remember? <laughs> right? Hey, how about you want to make a keychain out of it? <laughs> right? Maybe a little necklace. <laughs> hey, you got two sons, you can make earrings. <laughs> right? I know, I know that's, I do that for effect and comedic relief because y'all look at me real funny. But. Don't we do the same thing with our sin? Let me keep reading. Because here Paul says, you were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands. By putting off the body of your sins by the circumcision of Christ. So it says, when you believed in Jesus... Jesus reached into your spirit and performed a spiritual circumcision on your spirit and cut away from you your sinful nature like circumcision and removed it from you. And then says, and he cast it far from you as far as the east is from the west. Just like Dr. Pollock. He took that thing, put it in a little red baggie, it went away from me. I have no idea. They destroyed it. It was burned. It was removed. Because it was a bio. Do y'all see this analogy? Because yes. that's what happened to you. Yes. You believed in Jesus and he reached into you and removed your sin nature from you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. That's why you can say you're 100% sin free. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, it took me about, again, I'll look at my time. Okay. It took me about a year and a half to allow God to convince me of this. Please don't be as stupid as I was. Just go ahead and take it right now. But again, so those, those of you who know some of my story, right? I found my father's pornography when I was about 10 years old. And never that it was an addiction, but it was just that thing like Paul said in Hebrews. It was that sin that seemed to so easily beset me. Right, It just seemed to always just kind of be a hook there. Like we'd walk through the woods and you get those cuckle burrs or those little things on your pants. 
it just always would seem to cling on to me. And I'd try to pick them off, and next thing you know, I'd, it'd come again. And through my whole life, this cycle, this cycle led me to have a child out of wedlock that I later abandoned. This cycle led me in other things. This cycle of this kind of stuff, it just kept coming. It just seemed to always be there. Now I was saved. But I didn't believe I was free. I go all the way to Bible school. I marry a beautiful lady. We start going and following Jesus. I go to Canada. We plant churches. You want to hear how bad it was? I'm in the bedroom while Selena's got the ladies of our church in the living room. And I'm trying to find porn on the internet. And I got the ladies of the church in the living room. Come on now. Don't, don't look at me that mean. Come on. <laughs> I'm not you. I'm not you. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I appreciate that you're making this practical. Yeah. Because we can hear all the spiritual side and my brain can agree with it. But then to put it in practical, like, absolutely. It's like, as you're describing this situation, when you say we're free from sin, correct me. Sure, please. Yeah, no. You're not saying that sin is not sin anymore. Mm -mm, not at all. No, sin is still sin. You're just saying that you don't have to be a slave to that and to get that revelation. That's exactly right. Sin is not going to happen. That's exactly right. Because like Rhonda said, around us in the world, how many of you have seen some sin recently? <laughs> Anybody seen some sin out there? Yeah. Oh. Amen. So, so remember the planet, the earth is, okay, let me back, is not fully redeemed. So, uh, and I appreciate the questions. This okay. Y'all keep this talking. It'll help you a lot. It, yes and no. Yes and no. It's, I hear what you're saying, and, and I don't disagree. There's, I, more there's way more to it. So, so it's this way. Salvation is still happening. So when we talk about the work of salvation, there is a dimension of the work of Christ that has yet to be done because Jesus is still working out salvation. In the earth, in, in people. Absolutely. Yes. I would now with you, we'll talk about it because there's a little bit of a difference. So, so yes, what I'm saying is, is around us is still sin. The earth, it says, Paul says the earth is groaning for its redemption. The earth around us, not just the planet itself, but the cultures of the world, the earth in its whole, the word is cosmos. So the entirety of the creation, every aspect of creation is groaning for the salvation that has been deposited in you and I, right? That's why, if I can say this, that's one part of why the earth responds to us as believers because it, it, it's, it's hungry for the redemption that's in us, right? So let me back up. So what I mean by that is is that when Jesus returns in his second coming, he will finish what he started in his first. That's why Paul uses this language with us about our salvation. He says our salvation has been given to us as an earnest payment. Anybody bought a house? Who's homeowners around in here? How many of, they, how many of you paid some earnest money on your house? Right, you paid some earnest money. Now that earnest money guaranteed that you could go into that house and you could start knocking walls out and you could start painting stuff and you could start do. You could live there even though you don't fully own it. The bank still owns it. 
But because of the earnest money and the contract stuff, that's, it. that's the kind of language. It's not complete in our salvation, but it's the best we could do. Paul says, you have an earnest of your salvation in the person of the Holy Spirit. An earnest was deposited inside of you. So you have full access to all of your salvation now because of the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of you. So in that regard, when you're a believer, you have an earnest access into complete sin freeness. Now you can still choose to go out and sin. I could leave right here today. I could leave this place and go have an affair on my wife. I could choose to do that. Be stupid. Right? Because she'll kill me. Right? I mean, truly. Now you think that's a preacher's joke. You don't live with her. She would hurt me. Right? I mean, so does that make sense? So there's, I could do something. It would be dumb. I could still choose to do it, but that, it's not who I am. Does that, it's not my nature. Okay, so let me finish my story and then let's come back and talk some more on this. And this is great, guys. Listen, this is a lot of stuff that's not taught. What we're celebrating today, and we're not off topic, is everything that Jesus did. His cross bought this freedom I'm endeavoring to talk to our hearts about. And the resurrection sealed it. The cross paid for it, but when he rose again from the dead, it made eternally perfect. It sealed it in place. It locked it so that now our covenant is different than Adam's. Now, if I go make a mistake, I don't lose it all like Adam did because of the cross. I have one in heaven who is my advocate who stands up and says, he's paid for. I have an advocate that stands up for me and represents me and says, no, 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 he's righteous. He just forgot his righteousness. Right, but here's my story, right? So back and I'm having the thing. Well, before I had the ladies in the church, I left you hanging with me looking for porn and the ladies in the church in the living room, right? So before that, about a year before that time, the Lord began to lead me in what we're talking about today because I was just sick and tired of it. Anybody ever been that way? You've had that thing that maybe grabs hold of you. Again, Paul said there's a weight and a sin that so easily besets us. It seems that probably for each and every one of us, there is a sin that just so easily besets us. Mine was a sexual sin, right? Other people, I'm like, can I just be mean? I'm not even going to the yo mama stuff, right? Right. But some of us, we need to put the cookie down because we're eating our feelings. That's just as sinful as anything else. <laughs> Come on, to say, are you with me? Amen. I know, I know y'all put the fried chicken down, right? Pick up a salad. It does. Let's go. Amen. Um, but here's how you get free from whatever that is, right? Here's how you get free. As I began to look through Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. If this is somewhat new to you or you would like to know more on it, I encourage you to do what I did. I spent about a year and a half in my own personal time, and I just lived in Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. I just stayed there. I didn't read anything else personally. Now, I had my other duties in the church. I studied other stuff. But when it was me and Jesus, I camped out in 5, 6, 7, and I would read them and reread them and read them, and I'd get different versions of the Bible and read them. And everywhere I could, I, I noted and I underlined, I'm free from my sin. I'm free from my sin. I'm free from my sin. I looked at all the words in the Greek languages and what they meant. 
I love this one. It says that, that in Romans chapter 6, it says that he took our sin nature and he obliterated it. He did away with the old sin nature. That word, have you ever had an old rusty car? But I'm talking about a rusty car enough to where there's no more fender rusty car. Right? Where there's a, there's a rusty car where there's a hole in the fender and you ain't got no fender right there. That's the Greek word for what Jesus did to your sin nature. He obliterated it where it ain't there. <laughs> it does not exist anymore. It's gone. That fender gone. Selena, she learned to drive in Guatemala in a, in a little pickup truck that had an obliterated floorboard because you literally could see the road through the floor, right? Your, your feet were on the pedals and there was the street going down <laughs> underneath you, right? You had to be, you had to, she, she did, she felt like the flat, you had to be careful in the rainy season. You hit a puddle, it'd come back up inside the car. But that's what Jesus did with your sin nature. He, gone. And I stayed there and I stayed there. So that fateful day, I'm in my bedroom. She's got the ladies of the church in the living room. And I'm looking and from here, from my heart, it welled up and I literally involuntarily shoved myself away from my desk and out of my mouth I said, that is not me anymore. I'm free from that. And from that day on, it fell off of me. Because I'm free from my sin. Now, come back to keep it practical. Does that mean I walk around as Mr. Saintly Person? <laughs> right? Not necessarily. It means this. It means I still watch what I watch. There's certain stuff on TV I don't watch. I just don't because I don't even want to go near that thing anymore, right? It means there's still temptations that come, right? When temptations come, remember, temptation isn't sin. It's just temptation, right? Brother Hagin used to say it like this. You can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair, right? You can't help it if temptation comes by. But now when temptation comes, and I mean, I'm talking about, and you know, there's some uh, kind of, temp I'm talking about temptation where it makes you stop and you, and you get the Jones in twitch, right? You start, you know what I mean? You're starting going, ooh, and you, you're getting, when that happens to me, because it still does, right? From inside of here comes up again. Oh, remember, you're free from that. Amen. I now would have to go contrary to what I know is my nature. I would have to now so, so deliberately step outside of who I know I am that it feels really weird. To even get close to that again. It, 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 I, I wish I could, it creates a new version of turmoil I hadn't ever experienced before I had that revelation. But there's this new version of turmoil where I really, and I talk to myself like you do. I sit there and say, Brad, dummy, you, that would be dumb. Does that mean, but there's this still turmoil, but it's like a positive turmoil because it's like I'm being given the option to be different than who I know I am, that I would have to disobey who I know I am to go do this thing. And it's so marked now that it sticks out. Whereas before I just did it because it was just that thing I had created that was just so easy to do. Now, because of the revelation that I'm free from my sin to even get close to stuff, it is such a turmoil that it feels so strange. And again, I wish I could give it, I'm trying to give it better words, 
But that's what you're saying in that process of your own personal sanctification is that you first have to learn that you're free from sin. Now, again, to go there, because I appreciate what Rachel said, that doesn't mean I'm saying, woohoo, we are free, baby. Right? That's what the Corinthian church did that got them into the trouble. Right? Is they said, hey, because of grace, now here's the story, because of grace, because of what Jesus did, we must be so free that I can go sleep with my mama. Because that's exactly what it said that Paul, Paul was talking to this couple, right? Paul was talking to this couple and he says, what they're doing, the heathens don't even do. And he's talking to two believers, right? He's saying the heathens don't even do this. Yeah, right? The heathens, pagans don't do what they're doing in the name of grace. Does that make sense? And so... So we still, the process of still, as we live in this life, we still look at stuff. Listen to me real clear because I don't want to be misconfused, right? Sexual sin is still sexual sin. Be it pornography, fornication, sleeping with somebody before you're married, adultery, sleeping with somebody you ain't married to or is married to somebody else, homosexuality, lesbianism, polyamory, swinging. Can we just go down the list? Uh, we're still creating a bunch of stupid. All of it is sin. I just want to be real clear because I don't be confused. And all of it I'm free from. Again, I love what Brother Hagin used to say. I'm robbing all the banks I want to rob. Because there is nothing in me that wants to rob a bank. Come on now. I'm sleeping with all the women I want to sleep with. Because I love that one right there. She's the only one I want. Mm-hmm. Years ago, but with a different intention. Yes. So when we learned this, the group of people that we were with portrayed it as in, I have these things in my life that the Bible says I should not do, but the Bible says I'm free from them. So now I continue to do them, but I don't long, I don't have condemnation. Oh yeah, no, longer. not at all. And so when you first started talking about this, my head goes, because I didn't sit well. With I know people. that's what people say. Because talking to you about your sin and you're better than this well your wife's perspective is obviously a little different <laughs> like yeah, hey this ain't cool there's no if she's not looking at this and going hey i'm not condemning you for that i mean you know, no no not at all i needed the practicality oh absolutely no please hear me and, and i appreciate that i just want to i just want to preach it from what i see in scripture because we not dared to believe it as radical as it is right yeah that Sure, it can, it can be. Now, what happens? So two things. Let's talk about this as we talk about sin. Is this okay? Everybody all right? I know this is, like I said, this was going to be a weird Easter message. I didn't really see which way we were going. Happy Easter. I hope you all come back. I really <laughs> genuinely do. It would be awesome. Amen. Is, is this. But here to talk about this. So let's, let's talk about condemnation. What's the part of the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus told us what the Holy Spirit will do. There's three things he condemns the world of. It says he condemns the world of sin, but convicts, thank you, condemn is too strong, convicts, thank you for the better word, convicts. He convicts the world of sin 
because they have not believed in me. Notice that. The Holy Spirit does not convict the world of their sin because of the sin. He convicts them of their sin because they haven't believed in Jesus. Does that make sense? If you're sitting here this morning, if I can just be so bold, and you're squirming at all, there's two reasons why you're squirming. Right? You're either squirming because you haven't believed in Jesus yet. Or the next reason, he says, he convicts the church of their righteousness. Or you're squirming because you know what you're doing is not part of your righteousness. And he's doing what he used to do to me. He's saying, son, that's not you. Son, that's not you. That's not who you are. You're better than that porn. That's not who you are. I didn't make you that way. I remade you into me. And that's not part of me. And so that's not you. And, he, and that's why I say he'll aggravate the dude. Oh, sorry. He'll, he'll, I swear just a little bit, that is a part I'm trying to get right back up under some sanctification, right? But he, he will just aggravate the dickens out of you. It's not. But I mean, I was, I, Dudu came out because I was stopping the S word. It was, the S word was on its way out and I grabbed it by the T and Dudu came out past it because I was trying to get there. <laughs> Right, but he will just aggravate you with your righteousness. He'll just sit on you and go, "That's not you. That's not you. You're righteous. You're righteous. You're free from that. You're free from that. You're free from that. You don't have to obey that anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to be a part of that anymore. That's no part of who you are because you are part of me, and I am holy just like you, and I am perfect just like you, and I'm him just like me." And that's what he stands there on. And he's, he's standing there and he's, and I know we do the devil and the angel thing, but please know he's louder than any devil could ever sit on your shoulder. He is louder and bigger than any demon in hell ever. And he will scream in your ear about your righteousness to try to cut through the noise of religiosity and your filters and tell you, you are mine. I am you. You are a giant. Do not be defeated by something so small because you are bigger than that. You are greater than that. You are holier than that. Guys, does that make sense? If I could shout that, it'll set us free because literally then I love back. We said Hebrews, right? There all seems to be something that so easily can beset us in our life. It was like my porn or my sex stuff, right? That would be there. And it says, so Paul says, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. He says, so just lay that aside. Lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily besets you. Aren't you glad he didn't say, you know, you need to go to intercessory prayer. (laughs) You need to gather around you a group of prayer warriors. And we're going to cut that thing off spiritually from your life. Because I was all part of that. I call it Pentecostal witchcraft, right? I was all part of that (laughs) Pentecostal witchcraft where they'd be up there and people would be hacking with their hands in the spirit and cutting off. Ties that bind and all this kind of stuff and and never works. All you do is you look like a dummy. And that's all that happens. Right? When all God said to do was, is, oh, you can identify something that's grabbing a hold of you and you're righteous, put it down. Set it aside. Yes, sir. Yeah, please, absolutely. Holy Spirit was remolding and shaping the beliefs in your heart. 
And when you look at grace, it's right in the Strong's. And I, I, over, I read past it for years. It says it's the divine influence, the influence of the Holy Spirit upon the heart and its reflection back out in life. That's exactly it's right. It's been there for however long. Yes. And so we've talked about it a lot. It's like, can I do what I'm doing by the influence of the Holy Spirit on my heart? That's right. Now you're... You're meditating. You're having the beliefs of your heart. And you're safe in God the whole time. That's exactly right. And it's just, you win. That's right. You win. Keep going. You win. You win. With, it's the reflection outward there. And I, I appreciate it. I see you, Cedric. Hold on. But I, I know I'm getting to, to a spot where the heart can only receive what the backside can endure. Right? And so, um, and so we're there because of, of time. So I want to be respectful of that with everybody. But listen, it, and, you're, and you're right. It's... it's if I can just convince us, it's who you are. Right. You are an identical twin of Jesus Christ himself. That's right. Remember the great prayer that Jesus prayed? He taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven heaven how much sin's going on in heaven how much sickness is going on in heaven how much poverty and lack is in heaven so if jesus is saying i want what's going on in heaven to be the expression and the image that's done out here on the earth that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven then then I can't see room for I'm shackled and chained by some sinfulness. I can't see that. I can't see that I'm somehow bound up and tied up by something that I can't overcome. Otherwise, that cross right there was ineffective. And the empty, gr and the empty tomb means nothing. Does that make sense? Amen. Can we do this? Just bow your heads, close your eyes. Cedric, I know you wanted to say something. I'm sorry, brother, but just for... I'm not trying to cut you off because I love the conversation, but we just don't want to land here. But hey, listen, if you're here today, I'm just going to say it like this. If you're here today and this is maybe something that is you've never heard before, you never heard how free you are from your sin. You've never heard that you are truly, truly set free. Right? then I want to give you a chance to respond to that truth. And whether that means maybe you're here and, and, and you might, we might say it in church world like this, you've maybe never received Jesus before. I can be honest, in the spirit, I don't necessarily sense there's anybody here like that. I do sense that there are people here that you are a believer, you are born again, right? You have put a, a trust in Jesus but you haven't ever heard that you're really free from your sin. Like you're absolutely and utterly, like we've been saying all morning, free from your sin. Right? I want to give you a chance to respond to that. And what I mean by that is, is remember, faith is just a positive response to what Jesus did. So if that's you, would you do one thing? Could you just raise your hand? Let me know if I'm talking to you at all. If I'm hearing right, I see that hand there. Thank you. I see one there. Thank you. Anybody else want to join? I see that hand. 
Anybody else want to join these? Yes, sir, I see that. Anybody else want to join these four or five people that have raised their hand? Then this is what I want us to do. Let's all pray this together. And those of you that raised your hand just with your whole heart, just say these words together as a church family. Say, Jesus, show me how real it is. Show me how free I am. I believe today that I am 100% free from my sin. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Mm. Thank you, Father. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I just want to take a, take a moment here and just let us soak in the reality. If you're here, maybe you didn't raise your hand, just take a minute and just meditate on that. Just you are free from your sin. Mm-mm-mm. I want you to begin to imagine what that looks like. What that will be like. You know, if you're here, we talked about if, if there's that, that thing that was so easily besetting you, um, just set it aside. Um, just even if you need to, just kind of in a, in a physical motion, just act like you're putting a water bottle or something down on the floor and just say, I'm just setting that thing aside. You got something? Yeah, please do. Yeah, get ready. Absolutely. Get ready to sing champion. That'd be awesome. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Amen. Father, I just thank you. As before we sing this song, Champion, that again, I love that he is our champion. He has liberated us. But just as we sing this, I want you to celebrate that you were free. I want you just to celebrate it. Just, I mean, again, just as if your favorite team won the national championship. (laughs) I mean, if you're an Alabama fan, just as much as you would celebrate when we win one, because you are free. Amen.